0: If you led anything the last few years, you've been stretched in unexpected and sometimes uncomfortable ways. As the stress increased, how did you respond? Did your team get closer or did it fracture? Did growth happen because of the chaos or was there destruction? Regardless of your win-loss ratio, we all need to know what to do when things get crazy. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is about being scared and going forward anyway. Sunny Leinbarger is a wife, mom, COO of Bristol Hospice, host of the Evoke Greatness podcast, and an entrepreneur. She's accomplished, respected, and redefining the next chapter in her life. I feel very fortunate to have gotten this interview even as the story is being written. So let's jump to Sunny talking about what it's like to be a senior leader in healthcare as a pandemic is taking place.
1: Gosh, I jumped into the role and we all as a team hit the ground running. Super exciting times, we had our vision casted, we were looking to grow our business and serve as many people as we could with a sense of excellence and end of life care. And then come kind of January, it had been right about a year, and all of a sudden, we started hearing some things popping up around the country around COVID and this virus that was spreading. I, have a, I oversee a team that primarily travels. For a living, I usually primarily travel. I'm on a plane somewhere throughout the country, uh, going and spending time with our team and seeing how I can support them throughout the country. And so that came to an abrupt halt in March. And so, really, what we did is we kind of grounded all of our traveling teams, and we just said, for the time being, we're gonna we're gonna fill this out, we're gonna assess this. I, thought, I don't think any of us had any idea what what was gonna transpire over the course of the next months or years, and so we assessed it on a on a regular basis, um, traveled when we needed to, um, but primarily learned how to lead from a, a sense of a remote operations, which was quite a challenge that none of us had i really had a whole lot of experience in. Given we were so hands-on and we're usually so present and uh, in support of our of our company and our team, and so I think what we had to do is we had to really assess quickly at what we were going to do to bring everybody together. How are we going to navigate this? And I think we thought of it much like a, a military command center, right? So you have to you have to put together this communication base where you can support and communicate with everybody in the country on a timely basis. And at that point in time, it was, you know, like almost minute to minute, day to day. And so we established this line of communication where we had this major communication center. And we, as an executive team and a senior leadership team, we would assess what was happening. We would see what changes were coming about. You know, I think at that point in time, whether it was the CDC or governmental uh, or state or county, we were getting we were getting changes thrown at us right and left. And so our job was to assess that and put that together in a way where it was uh, consumable for our teams. But we broke that out into a number of things. I, you know, I think about the communication center that we had. I think about the safety that we had to think about for not only our own team who was out providing that frontline care, but also our patients and our community. We had to think about the PPE that virtually no one had, we had to get really, really creative and we had, I mean, it's hard to say going through a time like that was a blessing in disguise, but I really believe that that allowed us to dig into the depths of our soul in taking care of of being human beings, taking care of other human beings, whether that be our patients or our community. And so we had staff all over the country who pulled out sewing machines, right? We, there weren't enough masks. You couldn't order enough masks. And we had patients who were contracting COVID and we had staff that were going out to care for them. And so we had people sit down with sewing machines and start sewing cloth masks, putting filters in them. And when I say sewing masks, literally in the thousands, and they would go out, and they would take them to nursing homes, who also couldn't get enough uh, personal protective equipment. They would go out and disperse them to the community, to our firefighters, to our local law enforcement. I mean, they stepped up and they really provided in a time when everybody else was kind of panicking and, and scrambling and running around.
0: No, as you were saying, I think I should have, I should have probably asked, what's the scope of like uh, your team? Uh, what it sounds like it's pretty large, but I think we, that, that, that would paint the picture a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, so think about 2,500 people throughout the country. And that goes all the way from our team who's providing care, which is you know our, our nursing assistants and our nurses and social workers and chaplains. And those are the teams that are going into the homes, going into the facilities and keep providing that direct care. And so then you have leadership teams who are typically on planes, Throughout the country, supporting them. But again, you're traveling. You're going through airports. You're so there's there's all of these things going on, and we had to keep everybody safe. But it what it did was it allowed people to get super resourceful and creative to provide for a need that wasn't there. Uh, you know, during that period of time, we we lost some of our staff, and we lost some of our staff's family members. And so you go and you take a look at the kind of psychological piece of this people are already scared right they're watching the news everybody's waiting kind of for the next set of information to come about to process and go through this people have children people have family members that are uh, have compromised immune systems or uh, diseases that would make them more susceptible to you know a really negative outcome if they contracted covid and so we had to On top of all of those things those tactical steps of getting these things done, we also needed to navigate in a way where we had awareness of the emotional and the psychological fragility of what was happening. And I think that piece, obviously, was way less controllable. And so I tried to put out really regular messages, messages where we let our teams know that we see them that we understand what they're doing. We know that they're working long shifts and that they're working overtime and they may be staying in another home outside of their home because they were too afraid that they were going to bring something back to their family. And so we saw the sacrifice and the sheer um, way that people were working in a way that they wouldn't normally. And we, we talked about it and we assessed that and tried to provide resources around supporting them through that. But it was it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my career. Now you go through crisis and you go through chaos at times, but that took us all to a whole nother level. But I think it also allowed us to see what we were capable of navigating that maybe we wouldn't have thought we could prior to that.
0: So you touched on uh, showing care specifically to your staff. Letting them know we see you, we see what's going on. Could you touch, stay on that for a little bit about your process? So, what 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 are some things that uh, make up your process for um, decision making in the midst of chaos?
1: Yeah, I think I probably thought I did prior to that, and <laughs> Until <it all> goes <laughs> up. yeah, and then you know it's um, it, it's it's very different when your feet are in the fire. And so, I think what we walked through was two major things. And that is assessment of what's happening, assessment of unintended consequences of what that decision could be and expediency, right? You couldn't just wait and say, oh, I'm going to get all, I'm going to gather all the information. And by the end of the week, we're going to make this decision. No, I mean, you really have to make the decision on the fly. And so you assess to the best of your ability, you assess as rationally as you can, and then you do it quickly. And, you, and I think that's what led us to make each next r- most right decision. Now, were there decisions that were made uh, or direction that was given that wasn't the best? Uh, Without a doubt. But I think what you do in that time is you make the assessment, you try to figure out what unintended consequences could occur, if any, and then you do that really quickly. And that's how you get to that next most right decision.
0: There are um, no doubt hundreds of stories with a team of 2,500. You mentioned uh, families being affected, uh, staff members being affected, uh, loss of life, uncertainty, ambiguity, uh, we could stay there uh, the whole time. So now that you're on this side of it, it's it's uh, encouraging to hear that there are things that came out of it uh, with deepening of roots of relationships and with trust. Um, obviously, that's a reflection on your leadership amongst others at, at hospice, uh, Bristol Hospice. And um, so that's awesome that that is a positive thing uh, that comes out of it. One of my pastors has said, um, there's a, there's an interesting thing that takes place when people go through traumatic experiences together. Uh, it can tear them apart or it can make them closer than they ever have been. Um, so I think you're speaking to some of that, you know, so thank you for, for sharing all that. I, I do want to dig in, uh, it ties in directly and indirectly to what you were just talking about, uh, but a specific word that I see all over, uh, the stories you were just telling the things that you do. Um, uh, social media and th- that word is greatness so i want to dig into that word a little bit so the, uh, your podcast uh, evoke greatness um the evoke greatness website uh the social media stuff like i talked about so so just hit us with what you think of talk to us about greatness what is it what does it look like um, in leadership and parenting you know wherever we want to take it
1: yeah well i'll back up just a bit when in coming to even getting that name for this entrepreneurial venture that I was, or adventure, I guess, that I was about to embark upon. And I really had had a desire. I had sought so much value out of books and podcasts, and I had gained so much value out of this content that other people were putting out. And I just thought, gosh, I really wish I could take the experiences and the lessons that I've had and share that with others. I started looking at what what would I even call it if I were to do that? And so I probably have a notebook filled up with a handful of pages of just these different names and nothing really fully resonated or set well with me. And then all of a sudden I, I came to the word evoke. I was looking at the just the definition for it and and to evoke is to call something from within. And then after that, I thought, okay, if that is greatness that you're calling from within, what if I name this Evoke Greatness? Because that's really the idea, right? Greatness doesn't come from external circumstances. Things can be great. You can have experiences that are great. But when you are uh, looking to be great, in my opinion, you're calling something from within yourself. And so that's really where I came to the name Evoke Greatness. And I just thought all of a sudden, like this light bulb came on. I thought that is exactly the intention that is what i hope to do and continue doing and so when i think about greatness i think about an involvement it's an evolution i don't think you ever get to a place that you call greatness i think greatness is kind of a constant stream and as we look to grow and learn you know i'm a i'm an eternal student early on probably in my career I thought, oh gosh, I got to a point where I knew a lot and I felt like, okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i really an expert here. And and right when you think that, you quickly get knocked on your tail and you get humbled. And I think you uh, at times have to go through and, and grapple. I always talk about a gnashing of teeth with ego earlier on in my career, where I got to a place where it was, I finally got to a place after a lot of lessons that was no longer about what could I get out of this, but what could I give? And so in greatness, you're looking to give, you're looking to absorb information. You're looking to grow yourself. You're looking to give all of that away. You're looking to give your lessons away. And so as we grow, we change and we evolve, but I don't think that ever stops. And so I am on a constant quest or journey through greatness. It's not necessarily to greatness. Cause I don't think that's a, that's a place that you ever get to and stop. I think that's a, it's a journey you travel.
0: Hey, we've got new blogs, new giveaways and old dad jokes. So connect with us on LinkedIn and get some refreshing leadership content in your feed. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May followers bring? Pilgrims. Hey, yo. I met a depressed electron the other day. He wasn't very positive. As you look over the top of your glasses and say, that's not very funny. Get on LinkedIn and follow the impact leadership for more goodness like this and actually great content from blogs, audiograms, podcasts, and sometimes we do lineups of leaders that you need to connect with. So connect with us on LinkedIn. We can't wait to meet you there for now. Back to Sonny. Anything that has surprised you along the way since launching uh, Evoke Greatness?
1: Yeah, I was terrified um, to even start this.
0: <laughs> what was and, it? What was it that was that was gnawing at you?
1: Oh, it was all the. It was that you know it was the story that I was telling myself about what was going to happen, and it was that um, that fear creeping in of things that I have battled my whole life around being really worried about wanting people to like me or like what I have to put out there. It was fear around. Will people think this is absolutely ridiculous? And will I sound like I have no idea what I'm talking about? And so I battled with that for a year, and I finally was like, "Okay, I'm at the point. I'm going to do this." And so uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast, my first episode is all about kind of almost vomiting of here's all the things that I was totally terrified of, and I'm doing it anyway, right? And so this this very first episode that I'm dropping, it could be terrible, but guess what? If I have ten bad episodes that I record, that 11th one is going to be so much better than the first. And that 20th one is going to be so much better than the 11th. And I think it was really, um, so that was, it was surprising. I thought it was going to be a lot harder. And I don't mean, I mean, um, almost a little bit like emotionally and psychologically. But I think when you get on there and you, and you really feel that you have something to serve people and serve people with, it kind of flows. And then another piece was, I thought, how am I ever going to get people on this podcast? Well, you're just going to ask, Sunny. <laughs> you're going to you're going to be totally aware that they may say, uh, absolutely not, I'm not interested, or um, they may not even respond. And it has been really surprising to me how many people are just a yes right out of the gate, and I think that is significant of kind of the 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 network that I have is a bunch of people who are really about kind of this servantship to others. And they too are of like minds around wanting to share their experiences and share their stories and their, and that means the the losses and the wins. And I think that's where so much value is. And so it's been great to see kind of the, the evolution that the podcast has gone through inside of uh, probably going on almost a year. It was August of 2021 that I started it
0: coming up. Uh, so th- it ties directly to this. Um, I did see a post by you on LinkedIn that shocked me. I-, I briefly mentioned it to you before we started recording. I held back on asking questions around it because um, I don't know what the answers are to any of these uh, follow-up questions to this specific post. Um, but it looks like from that post and steer me where I'm wrong, that uh, you're leaving your role as a COO. I would love to hear. What is that about? Talk about that decision, what you're doing, where you're going. Um, speaking of being afraid, but going anyway, I'm assuming that's a the common theme uh, in this episode so far. So t- take it away. I w- I'm, I'm all ears.
1: Yeah, it's a common theme in my life, I think. <laughs> that's good. Um, that's a good yes, thing. yes. So I, I have literally had the most incredible three and a half years of my career being the chief operating officer for Bristol hospice and being able to serve and lead alongside some of the most magnificent people. And so it has been something that has been such an honor to me. I have grown so much. I don't think in all of the meaningful communication that I've had with with Bristol in general, be it all the way from the top to the bottom and, and everywhere in between, could express the gratitude for how much I've learned and how much I've grown through this process. And I also think you, you come to a time when I had, I had this piece stirring in me. I had something stirring in me that was really a soulful calling is what I, I, I feel like it is to explore some entrepreneurial ventures. Um, you know, I, I love the side hustle, if you will, that I do around my podcast and around, serving others and doing coaching and engaging with uh, with people on social media. You know, my primary network is on LinkedIn. And that has really started to gain some momentum and some heat. And so I, again, I grappled with it. It was something that caused me to really take a look inward and say, okay, um, where can I serve the best and I think we had done an incredible job over the last three and a half years navigating a pandemic, growing our organization. Inside those three and a half years and during the pandemic, we had done, you know, upwards of 30 acquisitions of other companies. And so we were, I mean, our roller skates were on nonstop for three and a half years. In that time, you think about secession planning and you think about creating bench strength because I don't think any of us should ever step into a role and feel like, well, this is where I'm always going to be. And so I'm not going to set anyone else up around me to be able to take over. I think a wise leader steps in and as you really get a hold of the organization, then you say, okay, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's 10 years from now. But if I were to step out, if something were to happen to me, who would step into this and and would they be set up for success? And so I, that's something that I feel like we've done really well. Um, we have recruited some incredible people to the company, have an incredible bench strength. And uh, when you are able to give a handful of names at the snap of a finger of people who could step in and do your role or uh, take over you know, different elements of the company, um, that's a gift. You know, That's a real gift. That's not something that's sad. And I think it is really about uh, similar to what my post, you know, I try to be really intentional in things that I share in the posts that I have and and share perspective and experience. And uh, we had recently just gotten back from a 10-day trip to Aruba. And in Aruba, they've got some of the most magnificent sunsets. And as I think as I was in Aruba and we were just kind of restoring and, Absorbing everything we could because everyone is just getting back out to traveling and experiencing and having that time to have vacation and spend time with family. And so my husband and myself and our two boys went, and it was it was restorative to our souls and to our minds and our hearts and uh, really kind of casting what's next. And so there was a specific sunset that struck me deeply that thought, this is this is the sunset. This is where I, you know, this is my sail, uh, sailboat, sh- you know, going through the sunset and closing the chapter on one and opening the chapter on the next. And so there isn't a, a you know, perfectly well-oiled plan. I, there's a lot of things, exciting things going on in the background, but that was really where I had to, I had to go through this emotional piece of, there was some sadness Um, there was grieving. I think anytime you decide to close a chapter, there's a sense of loss there and it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it still, it still hits your heart that way. And so I had to kind of go through my own grieving process. And when I came to the place of making that decision, and then the intention was, how do I make this as positive a transition as possible, right? There's nothing negative about it. It's just, there are times when we're not serving our greater good if we're staying in a place where maybe it's time to, you know, to, to move on from.
0: It's good. Patrick, uh, just, just this morning, he and I were having a call and, um, uh, it said, and for those listening, my Patrick's my, my boss uh, over at uh, CCB technology. And so I'm talking with him and I said Hey, so I'm talking with Sonny in just a little bit. And he said, Find out if she's like a TEDx speaker or something like that. She's got to have something. else. she's got a book deal, something coming. So we're excited. Um, we're we're rooting for you as well. Uh, we are very excited for you, uh, Sunny. As you have a strong, very strong community on LinkedIn. If you're not following Sunny, definitely look her up. I'll put a link in the show notes to to her uh, LinkedIn profile as well. Um, so a couple more questions, uh, specific to your your uh, personal life, and I don't think the right word necessarily is balance because. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's rhythm, but you, you'll get what I'm going for, I think. But so, so what have been maybe some difficult things in balancing your personal life as, as a wife and a mom, as you've mentioned several times, the COO of Bristol Hospice and an entrepreneur, podcast host, and all these other things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think when you're pulled in a thousand different directions, you... Uh, So I I don't know that we ever achieve balance, right? I think that's kind of this myth that we all strive for. It would be lovely. But I think when we're pulled in in many different directions and that just doesn't, that's not just me who is an executive and a mom and and doing this kind of side thing. I think that's anybody. I think a, a stay at home mom, I think a person who goes to the office, I think all of us, there are things in life that pull us a thousand different directions. And so what I refer to it as is a fluid balance. Right. And so I think about, uh, you know, when we were little, they had these little things that were, um, filled with like, I don't know, oil and water and these colors. And so these, this thing would rock back and forth. And that's what I think of when I think of fluid balance, because there are times when we have to, uh, shift that load a little heavier towards work. There may be something going on, you know, as I mentioned with Bristol, we have done 30 acquisitions in the last three and a half years. And so there were times when I had to lean really heavy towards work. And I think during that period of time, you have to ask for grace and that doesn't always come easy and it's not always given easily, but I think you have to address it and you have to ask for that grace to lean heavier one way. And I think there are certainly times where you're going to have to ask for grace from the other things that you're doing, because you're going to have to lean heavily into family. And while that's always that first priority um, you know, I have an amazing husband who understands that I am a ridiculously ambitious and driven woman. And he knows that there are times when I lean heavy and I, I don't take that lightly, but I will ask for grace. And, you know, there's a, a many times where I've done it wrong, many of times where um, where I've had the lessons. I think earlier on in my career, I was so focused on my career that I leaned far too heavy in it. And I think there's, that causes unintended consequences, you know, in your personal life. And so we've, we had, we've had to navigate that where, um, where I had to recognize what the, what that was causing. And then there are times when you have to say, Hey, I can't do this thing at work because I have to get on a plane. You know, my lifestyle is for the last 10 years, I'm on a plane most weeks. And that makes it really hard when you have kids who are wanting you to be there, who want you to be at their sports activities. And so there have been countless times where I say, all right, I am hopping on a plane and I am leaving this meeting or this, you know, whatever early because I got to get home. And that may mean that I jump on a plane, land and go straight to the field. And you may be changing out of your business attire in the parking lot And getting into something that you can, you know, run through the parking lot and get to that game. And I think that's, that's the balance you have to. And I don't think everybody knows that from the very beginning. I think we make a lot of mistakes and we have a lot of lessons. And then that allows us to be wiser experientially. And so earlier on, I probably didn't want to say, I've got to leave here because I, it's really important to me and to my family for me to be at this game. I probably leaned heavier towards if I can catch the game, great. But if not, I mean, I I really have to focus on this. Whereas today, uh, it's like, hey, I'm going to do this remotely or just an FYI before we even start this. I'm going to be leaving halfway through because I have to hop on a plane to, you know, in order to uh, make sure that I get to this game because that's a priority. And so I think that that kind of empowerment and that space that you hold in the confidence of saying this is what's important to me and so that therefore this is what I'm going to need to do. I think people understand that so much more and we and we may not always think they will. And maybe some people don't, right? Somebody who may not have family or have those types of obligations where you're running around to that, they may not understand that. But I think if you are upfront about it and you say, hey, this is my priority and this is what's, this is what's happening, I think it's totally feasible. It's just a matter of getting to that place. And so it's also knowing when to say no uh, I, I think early on I said yes to everything that I could, and then that overextends you and it burns you out. And um, and so if you can say yes to the things that make the most sense from a scheduling perspective, if you can make those commitments uh, that make sense, I think that's the right thing. But saying yes to too many things usually, you know, causes some issues. So no one to say yes and no one to say no.
0: With all that you are responsible for, I think routines could possibly play a a role in your success and, and your uh, different adventures with evoke greatness, but also as a a COO and all the responsibilities. So could you speak just, just for a minute or two about routines, um, the role that they play, what they look like, anything specific, even down to, you know, days that you wake up early days, you don't anything you got there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My days typically always start early. And I think when you have all those things on your plate and you know come 8 a.m. those emails or 7 a.m. those emails are going to come flying in, those requests are going to come flying in, Uh, you're going to be getting kids up and going. There's a sacred time in the morning when I get up and it feels like the rest of the world is still sleeping. And so I have this time that is incredibly important to me that the whole house is quiet and everybody's asleep. And so I'm usually up at 4.30 or 5. Okay, and I four 30 or five. And I go, it is early. Um, and I go down and I get my coffee and I get my devotional and I go through and I do my devotional. And that really, that's a, a very important piece to grounding my day and really setting my intentions. And it's amazing how, no matter what you're going through in life, those devotions or that scripture that you're reading, it, it speaks into what you need And it fills that piece of you. And so I think when you start your day out that way, um, you're really setting yourself up and everybody around you for success. And so I do my devotion. I do gratitude journaling where I just really reflect on the things that I'm so grateful for. And that could be something little um, like that sunrise that morning. You know, I'm a firm believer that I I love sunrises and sunsets and, and and I feel like God just water paints the sky specifically for me. (laughs) And so there I seek such gratitude out of things like that because I feel such a presence of the Lord in it. And and it could be something, you know, great happened with my kids or with my family or, or at work. And so, but I always, always, always focus on those things that I'm incredibly grateful for. Cause I think that sets, uh, it sets your lens with a sense of gratitude where you, you go into your day Brighter and with a better attitude, and you can see things differently, and you can interpret and navigate problems differently. And so, the gratitude journal journal is incredibly important. And then I I read whatever book. Usually, I have a handful of books going, but I read at least a chapter of a book because I want to constantly be taking in that knowledge, that uh, those lessons, the information. Because I think that's how we continue to evolve and grow. And so, those are really really important. And then. Uh, If I could every day, I don't every day, but if I could every day, I would start my day with a hike because that for me being out in nature and just kind of being alone with my thoughts, that is where I have my most creative flow. And so I, there's a, a mountain that I hike here locally in Phoenix. And man, I say that mountain knows my, my secrets and my wins and my losses because I just pour my mind out and my heart out on that mountain. And so I think those pieces are really, really important. And then I think one other is at night before either as your day ends or before you go to bed, taking a look at what the next day has mapped out and preparing yourself kind of mentally, um, physically for what, what entails on that next day is, is really kind of how you set up and be able to get up that next morning and and start it off well.
0: That's helpful. And I, I, fail constantly at this, but I can totally agree with you that a a solid morning routine that feels refreshing definitely starts the night before. So that, that, that last piece that you threw in there is a huge, uh, a huge piece for, especially for those of us um, that don't like waking up early. Like I don't, <laughs> but I love what the morning produces, just like you're talking about. So thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, so I have, I've loved this conversation, Sonny. Thank you for being patient with me. Uh, Listener, you should know Sonny has been so patient with me for like months because I've had some crazy (laughs) stuff happen on the personal side and professional side. And uh, so thank you, Sonny, for being here, for making time for this. And if you would, uh, please close us out, leave our listeners with some encouragement and, and whatever you would like them to have.
1: Yeah, I think that we'll, we'll continue with the theme, right, is um, is figure out those things that really light your soul on fire, figure out those things that scare you in a positive way that cause you to dream, you know, and think back to when you were a little kid and those things that just that brought joy, do more of those things. And if you, if you wake up and you find that that's not what you're doing, be scared and, and and do it anyway, you know, really write down and, and, and figure out what those things are. What sets your soul on fire? What brings you joy and happiness? Those are the things that we need to focus doing more of. And that's what I encourage, you know, anyone in my network, I'm constantly encouraging people to look inward, get introspective and figure out those things that excite you and do more of those things. Surround yourself with people who are doing those things. And learn how to do them better. Learn how to navigate being scared and doing it anyway. We are we are capable of doing so many big, hard, really cool things. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit or permission to do so. And, and so I would say, give yourself permission to to go big.
0: It's a great place to end. Thank you again uh, for being here, Sunny. And um I look forward to seeing what the next chapter of the life looks like for you.
1: Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay. Takeaways and action items. Takeaways. Be afraid. Go anyway. Number two, greatness is much more than growing your W-2, a title, or acquiring new things. Action items. You're going to mess up. Ask for grace when you do. Prioritize the most important things. Mornings matter. Don't waste them. Now scroll down to see links in the show notes. I've put several things there, including a link to multiple blogs on morning routines, free ideas to get you going. And if you thought of someone during this episode, please send it to them with a note of encouragement. Or if you need something to post on social media, don't forget to tag The Impact of Leadership. And we have over 100 episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader. So follow or subscribe in whatever platform you're using right now to have access to all of them. As a reminder, don't forget to check the show notes. All you got to do is scroll on your phone or on your computer and you'll see the links there. I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from all of us at The Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.